Hey, listeners, welcome back to the Dream Stream. I'm the host, Yiska Cook, here with our long lost friend, Brendan Merritt, who is my dream brother and decades long friend. Hey, Brendan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So glad to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, likewise. <clears throat> I don't yeah. see many people these days, so I guess par for the course, right? Are you still working at home? No, I'm working in uh, on site at Caremont Medical and... Oh, I didn't know you were at Caremont. Yeah, that's where I've been for the last few years. Okay. And <clears throat> um, getting exposed daily to various viral vectors. Oh, no. In fact, I just got over having the RSV virus, which... What, what is that? It's a respiratory virus that normally only tends to hit young kids and huh. can be dangerous to toddlers. But apparently this year it's hitting the adult population because yes. kids were out of school for so long and they're going to school now and giving it all to each other and they're bringing it home and... <laughs> When I used to be a kindergarten teacher, I was on like a five-week cycle. Every five week, I five weeks I would get sick. <laughs> the first wow. year. And then the second year, actually I wasn't getting sick like that. I had built up an immunity to little sticky children. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I think my ex was like that too, because she used to work with children. And <clears throat> consequently, you know after two or three rounds of whatever respiratory thing was going around, she settled out. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, that's when it was a little rough. I thought I had a crossover or a breakthrough infection of COVID. Yeah, it sounds and, like uh, Because I actually lost my sense of smell and everything. Oh, really? Then I would yeah. definitely think. Well, oh, then yeah. it probably it was. A lot of the symptoms. It probably was COVID, Brendan. What was that? It probably was COVID. No, it wasn't. I got tested. Okay. And uh, it, you know, they were like, "Well, good news, you don't have COVID, <laughs> but you have RSV." I'm like, "What the hell is RSV?" RSVP. <laughs> yeah, RSV. Um, it can be a problem for older adults, and particularly for those who are immune compromised, like myself. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> can cause pneumonia um, and I think like I didn't wait long enough to get the third uh, vaccine because I got you know, a booster and my body reacted kind of funny to that. Okay how how many months after you got your COVID vaccines? Six months so I mean I was in you know the say? But I think because my immune system was already up in arms from yeah. the RSV, I yeah. had an extreme immune reaction, which left me with some chronic inflammation, which I'm still trying to figure out. Yes. So, um, is so mortality has been on my mind a lot yeah, lately. It's a very thought about <laughs> point right now. I think everybody's well, thinking about mortality right now, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I think more so. I mean, this time of year in general, you know, around the okay. uh, Halloween up. holiday and oh, yes. you know, the turning of the wheel of the year and things getting darker and all certainly yes. puts you in mind of that. So 
it's time to go inward. Yeah. Have you been doing a lot of any or any meditation around this? No, I, I need to get back on the stick because <clears throat> I'm finding my spiritual life wanting a lot lately. Um, I'm still like actually dealing with a little bit of what I think is PTSD from my experience being hospitalized yes. here and that's affected my concentration and I think I'm finally getting to a point where I have enough concentration to read a book oh good so, yeah. my new thing is I have to wear readers now magnifying glasses you know so <laughs> yeah I'm probably going to need those too I had some eye stuff just coming upon me as I look into my gray hairs on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, oh well, I've got. Yeah, I love it. Little, I love it. What do they call beard. it? My friend uh, Orion Foxwood refers to it as the honey badger look. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like the honey badger look. <laughs> we just need to file your teeth. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Not going to be a bad idea. <clears throat> so um, yeah, I wanted to share a little bit about the meditation I've been doing. Um, and then if you don't mind, I'd love to get into some of your dream fragments. Of course. Wonderful. So I've been doing uh, a meditation in the liminal place between waking and sleeping. Um, and I make the point that's the space to if you want to ask for a certain dream, if you want to incubate a dream, that would be where we do that in between dream and, and being wakeful. And so I've been building um, a prayer cathedral in my mind. Um, building a, I'm sorry, building a what? A prayer cathedral. Ah. I'm using, you know, like Carl Jung's ideas about active imagination. And of course, our dream teacher, Robert Moss, teaches a lot about the imaginal realms. And so, and I figure, because I, for one, really believe in the power of prayer and in the power of our thoughts. And so then I thought, well, I better start taking it more, not more seriously, but I better commit some energy there because if not, it's very wasteful on my part to believe in prayer, but not to work that way. So it's every night and I, so I've been building this prayer cathedral and um, and then also beyond the prayer cathedral, which I, who, which I fill up with people that I either know of are in need or um, friends of mine asked to put a specific person in the prayer cathedral or, or this, but I also have then a healing space. And um, so, and I just am learning so much about this as I go. So now what I'm realizing is because my, myself, my brain is, is so talky. It's like words, 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 like less, less images. And I realize when I'm in this healing space beyond the prayer cathedral that I can't be like, okay, you know, uh, like, like not, not swelling here or like not this not I can't say the negative you know not Raynaud's disease on my toes or whatever it is even though I might be thinking it 
So I can't keep saying it in the negative. I feel I really need to represent it in the affirmative. So even though I don't quite have the words to say, then therefore I need to shift to visualization. And that's, that's really helpful for me. So I've always been a writer and interested in words. And I guess that's just the way my mind works. But now I'm having to shift that as well for my healing. And um, that's been a very powerful teaching for me. That's interesting. Um, yeah, a friend of mine who teaches neuro-linguistic programming, um, basically when he was doing his classes, uh, a lot of the exercises involve heavy visualization work. Yes. And one thing he you know, is very clear about is that not everybody is visually oriented. Some people are kinesthetic, some people are auditory, yes. and you have to work with whatever sense um, it is that comes to you easily. I personally am very visual, um, despite the fact that I used to do a lot of writing. Um, I yes. generally don't dream in words. And sometimes when words do come to me in dreams, it's as if a very clear, specific message is trying to come through. So those are usually cool. highlighted for me when that happens. Like if I hear yes. a voice speaking to me, yes, is something that means that I really got to pay attention to yes. whatever being said. Yes. I haven't been doing any specific practices recently, and that's something I need to get back into. But I did <clears throat> recently um, sign up for um, a session with a healer through Healthcare as a Human Right, which I don't know if you know, our viewers would be aware of it, but basically it's a collective of people from different holistic healing backgrounds yes. who offer their services to people in need um, so that they can get the health care they need. And a lot of what's being offered is energetic work and what have you. So I worked with someone who did a remote healing on yeah. me, which basically in this case meant that I needed to put myself in a meditative state and just be receptive yes. um, to whatever was coming. And um, it was interesting because a lot of different imagery came to me. Um, this was right after a very dear friend of mine died. Um, my friend, Rana Janto, who was very community oriented and very well loved among her community at all. Um, she was connected with the Freestyle Frolic. Is that she right? She's one of the founders of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, Dance Collective that she yes. formed had a huge community. Yes. And she was very well honored by that community. Oh, <clears throat> um, but, yeah, it was a really difficult and still is, you know, mm -hmm. for me to get my head around um, this person leaving the physical. Yes. And one of the things that happened during that healing session was that I got a very, very clear sense of her presence mm -hmm. on the other side. Um, and 
you know, saw her in my mind's eye. And it was nothing but a sense of calm right. and peace. And, you know, I just knew, you know, wherever she is, yes. you know, she's fine. And that was kind of like her coming through to let me know that she was okay. <clears throat> but I also got a lot of other images. That's like, powerful, you know, Brendan. That's so powerful. Yeah, and I mean, this time of year in general, I think about yes. people who have passed on, <clears throat> you know, relatives and friends, but I try to pay special attention to people in my ancestral line, because okay. um, I think for myself, a lot of the personal work that I've had to do has to do with healing the ancestral line um, and, you know, trying to get over for lack of a better word, the damage that may have been done, you know, being raised by people who were in a certain lineage because yes. fam families tend to recreate similar environments over time and not all of it's healthy. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, we, we don't have to unconsciously repeat it. Yeah. Yes. You know, even in our own personal selection of partners um you know we make choices sometimes which are related to our own personal wounding and you know the key to moving forward from that is first off acknowledging secondly you know forgiving um and then you know accepting and realizing where we might have those traits in ourselves and really putting the microscope on ourselves yes. with regard to that. And it's hard work. It's, you know, it's I guess it's what people call shadow work to a degree, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. It is hard work. I, I sometimes I'm really just tired. I just want to go to sleep, you know, and I lay down in bed. And even if I'm, I still, what I have found that I do is, I still have to do the first parts of the visualization and open up the prayer cathedral for whomever needs healing. You know, I yeah, still yeah. open up this space. I just might not have the energy to like choose who will be in there and greet them and walk them. And, you know, it's like sometimes I'm not able to do all of that. Um, so do you see the cathedral as an actual physical place in your mind's eye or? Um, it's. Uh, so what I see is I first take I first walk up to the pre pre um, prayer cathedral, which means just at the before entering into it. So it's always I walk up this hill and there's a stream, and I sit down next to a very powerful teacher of mine um, whom I will only know from the internet. Um, and, and I take three really deep breaths to center myself. And, um, and then I, I have another mantra that I say going up to the prayer cathedral. And I've learned so many different things. So now I know there's great fields of animals around it. And, um, and it's, it's like a stand of nine birch trees 
And I often, I, when I see the cathedral filling up, I have to like, everybody step back, you know, it's like, let's widen the circle. I have to do that sometimes because I'm like populated circle. And, um, and there's, um, it's similar to the Mishkan in Judaism, which Here's is the Mishkan, which is a prayer tent that the Jews who are wandering in Israel take with them to, you know, to have their God relations. And um, it's similar to that, except it's not mobile because their trees are rooted and it has um, like, like silk fabric, like a purple and then like a royal red. And I'm always building it. You know, I'm always trying to visualize more about it. I'm always learning more about it. it. Just takes so much thought energy, which is, which is great, but it is hard work. So that object is it somehow um, related to the idea of the covenant that the Jews have with Yahweh? I, I think so, in that it looks like the Mishkan, you know. So I think so. Um, you know, when I first started building the prayer cathedral, in my mind. It started out being a stone cathedral, like up on a big hill. And then that wasn't quite right. I just tried different things when I was first doing it. I was just building it. You know, I was just trying to, um, and it ended up being nine white birch trees with fabric. And so they, I have to sometimes spread it out. <laughs> so, um, uh, and then I have a second part. I haven't really been that public about where the place is because I'm not really comfortable to do that yet. But then I have like a, a whole healing space from there. And, um, you know, so the prayer cathedral is up on a hill. And then I, I, and I say my, my blessings and my gratitude. And then I go, I walk down the hill and then onto a beach sand and then I could say this part I, I follow the um the rays of the sun over the ocean you know and you can just see that path you're standing at the at the shore and you can see the path so I follow that um and and all sorts of things happen so um yeah, so I guess it is. Is that what you mean by asking if it's a physical place? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just wasn't sure if it was like seen as a physical temple enclosure or anything like that. And yeah. there's a reason I'm asking that is um, in some of the Western hermetic esoteric traditions, yes. one of the practices that people do is they build what they call an astral temple. <clears throat> And it's a place that you go to do your spiritual work. And it's a construct, um, you know, visualization, yeah. but yes. it's- I, I didn't know, I, have a, I had a feeling that this is such powerful, but you know, and people do talk about the imagination and the imaginal realms, but I had a feeling that this, that I'm not the first. I mean, it's obvious with all the, um, wisdom and spiritual teachings that that i'm not the first person to explore this space 
but um, I would be interested to learn more about those hermetic traditions. Yeah, it's it's interesting. <clears throat> um, the other thing that's coming to me is that I don't know how well you remember any of this, but when we were in dream group together with Dr. Larson, um, there was a dream I brought forward <clears throat> where, um, and it was a big dream for me, um, where I was engaged in what seemed like a pilgrimage of sorts. And I was going up a hill, which kind of echoed the spiral um, yes. castle, if you yes. would. And I was walking up through the bed of a stream with the water coming over my feet. Um, Love that. And it took me a while to realize it. What? I'm sorry to interrupt. I just was thinking I'm going to have to incorporate that into my visualizations because I love that so much. I'm sitting by a stream. I should put my feet in it. Yeah. Yeah, the stream comes up again for me more recently, but I'll get back to that. Yes. Uh, and I guess, and this happened to me, this dream came to me probably, oh, maybe 16, 15 years ago. Um, while Lucas was still in vitro, like he was still gestating. And it um, dawned on me, like at some point, that what I was seeing in my mind's eye was a place in England that's referred to as the Glastonbury Tour. Oh, um, yes. Oh, I know a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big hill. Um, with a spiral yes. ramp cut into it. <clears throat> and at the top of it is the remnants of an old um, actual cathedral that was, I think it was finally destroyed by Henry VIII when he was doing his purge. Oh. But it's supposed to be the burial place of King Arthur. Yeah, um, I, I know that. found it. And, yes. Um, King Arthur's body there, and you know, some people speculate that this was just a. In the door, honey. You left it. I'm so sorry. We're having an issue with the cat who got out, but he's back. So yeah. sorry. Say that again, Brendan. So some people speculate that the story about the monks finding the burial place of King Arthur was just a ploy to get tourists there, but the place has oh. <laughs> long associations. And there are two healing wells there. Uh, there's a white stream and a red stream where the water is actually um, colored by the minerals. And wow. the red stream is really iron rich. The white yes. stream has got lime and chalk. Wow. Uh, so there's this interesting alchemical symbolism going on yes. in the land itself as well. And a lot of people consider, you know, this place to be uh, a spot where energies converge. Yeah. Um, a lot of people go there on days like the vernal equinox and people yeah. make pilgrimages to this place all the time. Um, <clears throat> and the town itself has a reputation of being sort of new age, you know, place in yeah. England where there's a lot of, you know, I guess a lot of woo, if you want to use 
It's funny because we, we've been using that word in a couple of these dream stream podcasts, the woo-woo. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of woo-woo that goes around Glastonbury, yes. but there's also something real there that a lot of people feel. Um, so yes. this has been a place that I've been called to try to visit at some point, yes. um, and hopefully I will get to. Yes. Um, getting back to the stream factor, though, yes. <coughs> during that um, healing session, I had, and then even in my dream life, where I can only recall fragments, right. there have been places by streams um, wow. where I can actually hear the water rushing yes. in my ears, like, and the oh, stream talking. Yeah. Um, I will also incorporate that, bring in more of the senses as I, you know, expand on the, the vision that I'm working with. I will hear, hear the stream water. Beautiful. Yeah. And in you know real life and in dreams, um, both, I've had experiences where it seems like the stream is talking, like the burble of the stream yes. can actually almost sound like someone verbalizing and talking it's so cool because it's different different sounds in different places along the spring you know it's like there's different gurglings and burblings yeah yeah i'm kind of an animist so for yeah, me like, streams are living things oh and yeah the spirit of the place um is important and Yes. You know, there have been times in real life where I've been at particular streams and what have you, and I got a real sense of, you know, what they would refer to as the genii loci or the, you know, the spirit of the place, like being a real presence. Um, yes. And usually being able to connect to that is in and of itself actually very healing. Um, and you really have to open up all of your senses yes. to take in, you know, whatever that nonverbal yes. speaking is that's happening. And that was happening to me uh, recently, both in the dream fragment that I had, as well as yes. a visualization during that healing process yes. I had. Just a real sense of that. Mm. I love it. Open up all the senses. So what what I see, I don't know if imagination is not a sense, but what I hear, smell. Do you use your sense of smell a lot in your meditative visions? Um, you know, that one doesn't come to me easily, but senses of smell tend to trigger memories for me. Yes. Um, there are particular scents that I associate with those kind of experiences and for me it's uh, wild rose oh, a big one. beautiful and they tend to you know come out in spring yes and you know they're they're very almost spicy um in their yeah. scent 
like compared to the apple blossoms that are out in the same I'm a lilac lover. <laughs> I like lilacs too. Lilacs send me to a very good place. But yeah, I always feel like there's a really strong spiritual presence behind the wild rose. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. So um, that's that's wonderful. So you said you were dreaming about your mom lately. And I'm wondering yeah, so the fragments that I can kind of pull together are that I was going somewhere uh, with my mom and it felt like we were going on a picnic um, to someplace, which I don't know if it's part of a mem memory or what, but I remember kind of being outside on like a green sward um, with any green what? Sward, a meadow, like oh. grassy plain, S-W-A-R-D. Uh, not, not the pointy. Oh, I, I get it now. <laughs> and um, in my dream, like the quality of light is very much like probably early spring, early summer. Okay. And I remember the light filtering through the trees and there is a tree where we're going. So there's some shade um, and their blanket is spread out and there's a picnic basket. <clears throat> and my mom looks very youthful in the dream. Um, and this is the kind of thing you know, that when I was young, she would you know, do like on weekends, we would usually have some kind of an outing if it was possible. What a fun mom. Yeah, like we would go to a lake that we visited a lot. Um, nothing like this landscape, though. And there in, was definitely the a landscape. sense of the what? landscape, the landscape in the dream, being in the green sword meadow that where mom used to take you was not like that this was different yeah the places that we'd go were not in yeah, were nothing okay. like that the dream almost seems like it combined several things um okay. the tree being a prominent place you know there were a couple of trees that were pretty important to me growing up um one of them is still there and it's part of the Shakespeare garden area in Vassar's campus, a huge oak tree, um, which I refer to as the grandfather tree. Yeah. Um, oh, I have grandmother here. <laughs> I wonder if they know each other. Yeah, maybe. A um, grandmother tree living just down the hill. And there is a stream near it. Um, the stream is kind of obscured a little, but it was someplace I spent a lot of time um, going to as a teenager and just sitting and meditating under or reading. So there, you know, for me, there's a long standing sense of the sacred associated with that tree. Um, you know, you get into Jungian analysis, the world trees are all over the place. Um, so there's a bit of that happening. The tree is not as big in my dream as this thing but it has a real presence. Yes. And 
the quality of light is the light filtering through the leaves of the tree. Spring um, green. Yeah, with the stream nearby. And I almost felt like <clears throat> in the picnic, I'm older than I would have been had it when, been yeah. a real life experience with my mom. Okay. Um, probably in my early 20s in the dream. Um, and my mom is younger. <clears throat> okay, and, yeah, like guess what age? realm is she is she also in her 20s She's probably in her 40s maybe okay. 30s yeah so uh, now can i ask you this is a very vivid like alive dream if i'm the dreamer for me oh, yeah. the, the colors the you know the light coming through the leaves everything and my mom looking I don't know that you said beautiful, but I picture a young, beautiful woman. And I'm wondering, did it feel more like a dream visit than just a dream about your mom? Does it feel I like was feeling like, yeah, I mean, I was kind of feeling like it was a dream visit and particularly wow. it being happening around this time of year. Yes. Where the veils are supposed to be a little thinner. Yes. Um, kind of felt like you know, a reassurance from her, um, which I've had fragments before. Um, it almost seemed like a purified version of her. Yeah, I yeah. I you kind know, of what you mean from my own dream visits. It's yeah, not no. just shiny. It's not just that they look shiny and young and beautiful, but on the inside too, you're thinking? Right. Yeah, yeah there was definitely that. Um, and I remember there being a sense of stuff that she wanted to talk about or discuss. Um, oh. You yeah, remember? so there was a what sense was? of... Is there, information? Is there information that you need to have? Did mom come to tell the dreamer some in important information that you need to have? Um, there was a sense of the information being important, um, but it almost seemed like it was more business-like, you know, like mundane things, not spiritual at all. Okay. But had to do with our family, whatever it was. Like there was information which related to the legacy of our family, if you would. Yes. Um, Interesting. That's yeah, and I don't know what it was. <laughs> like, I don't have a conscious recollection. I remember there being a book being shown to me at yeah. one point, um, which if I'm, you know, getting fragments now as I talk about it, where <clears throat> it was like an illustrated book, almost like a illuminated manuscript. Oh, beautiful. Like a larger book with like, fancy cover and yeah. that was being brought out um wow i think if this were my dream i would want to do a dream re-entry and you know a la robert moss you know like to get into the meditative space and to you know it's conscious but it's not it's like dreamy 
extreme consciousness, I don't know even what to call it, but when one gets in the state, goes back into the dream and asks, you know, specific questions, what what I want to and look into the book and because maybe there's something, you know, maybe there's something in, even especially if it's about relatives in the lineage, because that's what I heard you talking about working with lately. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, it's interesting that you were bringing up the um, bit that relates to Judaism is because that's been coming up for me a little bit as well. Um, you know, I don't know if you and probably not our listeners don't recall, I had some DNA tests done a while back. And one of the things that came out of that is that there was a 7% Sephardic Jewish genetic marker that okay. came out. Uh, and there's a lot of evidence to support yeah. that my mom's side of the family were probably at one point German Jews that converted um, okay. probably for business opportunities. My you know, great-grandfather, I think he may have had an overlay in England before they came to the States and he became a, a Freemason, which, you know, at the time- I didn't know that you had Freemason um, ancestry. That's yeah, um, yeah, my great great grandfather was a high ranking Scottish Rite Mason. My grandmother was a member of the Order of the Eastern Star, which is the female group yeah. associated with the Masons. That's awesome. Always very secretive about it. Um, yeah. You know, I can remember like asking her questions because she had some things around her room that had Masonic symbolism. In particular, the Eastern star uses a pentacle okay. um, and the five points on the star actually represent different women from the Bible. Um, and I know that she represented Esther in the meetings that oh. she was part of. So I guess they would take on different roles in whatever ceremonies they had. I'm not surprised there was a bit of of LARPing <laughs> in the rituals. Yeah, yeah I mean, ritual often um, encompasses that. I think yeah. theater and ritual are yeah. really like this. And if you know yeah. anything about you know, the history of Greek theater, which another subject that Dr. Larson used to talk about a lot, yes. um, if you look at the structure of Greek theater, you can see it mirrored in the early Christian church, like Christian rituals are basically based on Greek theater. Um, the difference is you don't have the persona, um, but you have this call and response that's happening, yeah. which is just like the chorus in Greek theater um, that's happening. And people already know the basics of the story, so they kind of follow along but it's supposed to be a relevatory experience um, that's happening. Wow. So that was, a you know, seems to have been a really big part of ritual practices um, in the ancient world, you know, predating Christianity, and it got carried forward 
you know, in the form of a mass, you know, in the Christian Catholic Church, and now, of course, in the Protestant Church. Um, and I've been to a number of uh, Jewish um, celebrations at temples, and you don't have the exact same kind of sense of that. Um, so I think that that's really an add-on, you know, as a result of the, you know, kind of coming together. The call uh, and response is, is big. In Jewish ritual, there's a lot of call and response. Yeah. That's cool. Did you grow up with Freemason festivals and, and teachings? Was there anywhere in your life that 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 was passed through. I mean, I know you are a very mystical man, but was it, um, I don't know that you even celebrate it. Was it observed? Was the Freemason teachings observed in your childhood, in your, within your um, Not that I was aware of. And if it was, it was very on the DL and not talked about. And it wasn't anything I could really get information from my grandmother about. Um, you know, some of those groups have like oaths of secrecy. You're not supposed to reveal the yeah. contents of the ceremonies. Yes. Um, you know, partially because, you know, there was persecution at one point of the Masons. Yes. Um, and I think secondly, because the people involved in that tradition you know, not knowing what you're getting into, you know, has an initiatory um, quality to it, you know, when you're yes. being shown the mysteries and, you know, the pillars or whatever it is, symbols that you're being shown. Sure. There's a certain amount of revelation, I think, that happens mm -hmm. by going into it blind. Oh, interesting. And just learning as you become more member yeah, of as this. you're brought into yeah. and that's not unlike any mystery tradition i yeah. think you know dream work can be like that too um you know you don't go into doing dream work having you know devoured like an encyclopedia of Jungian symbolism and the symbolism is all very personal in dreams but there are yes universal things that seem to come up yes <clears throat> yes I see that the difference that i can see in this moment is that there's i wish there were more initiatory ritual you know within this um what's available to me you know i guess i i mean i need a ritual right now i need a i need i don't know i just need something to shake it up not shake it up careful what you wish for <laughs> not that but like I think I just need uh, you're talking about this need more spiritual mm -mm. that's well well Hanukkah is coming right so that's yeah. ritual celebration yeah. of light so yeah. so okay I'm, I'm good <laughs> okay <laughs> so um yeah it's coming yeah, up right now. how many how many candles are on the menorah again there's eight and then the one in the middle, which is called the shamus, which is the um, 
which is the helper to light all the eight that are part of the celebration. Yeah, knowing a little bit what I do about the Kabbalah, I always wondered if there was some connection between the menorah lights and the different Sephiroth. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I, there might be, I don't know. I mean, there often is, you know, when we're counting the Omer, which is another of the Jewish rituals between Sukkot and Passover, um, each, each um, you know, there's, there's often a night that would represent a, more like a leader, like our father, Abraham. You know, there's, there's something to, to honor him, but not necessarily with the themes of the Sephirot, you know, how, how would you find, how do you see a connection? between the Sephiroth and the menorah? Yeah, I guess I wonder, um, you know, if there is a connection to the idea of the sacred week, um, yes. which, you know, in a seven-day week, the yes. original <clears throat> seven-day week was based on the idea of the seven planets. Okay. And <clears throat> in the Kabbalah, one, uh, way that it gets interpreted by some people is that the lower part of the tree of life is represented by seven sephiroth and then the top three are what they refer to as the supernals with um the ain sof being the the highest point degree unknown and which is you know keter is the head Keter, yeah. and then Keter, K E T. Oh, yeah. And then Gvora and Hesed. Yeah, which represent sort of the masculine and feminine. Yes. Um, like loving and, kindness uh, for Hesed and for Gvora. Yeah. Or like uh, more, what's the word I'm looking for? What's how would you describe Givora? Um, stricter or more? Yeah, I would. I, I associate it more with like a martial kind of masculine force. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Hesed being mer- mercy, being yeah. more feminine, receptive. Yes. And, you know, <clears throat> Givora being the more martial. Yeah, that's aspect. Yeah. Um, you know, the vengeful God, if you would, like of the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, right, right. So we're taught that we, Ahava Hashem, which is love of God, and also Yara Hashem, which is translated as fear of God. But Yara is kind of like awe, like awe, like, you know, when not fear. It's, it's a little bit of fear, but it's just because you're in awe of the great power. Yeah. God, you know, so that's, that's interesting to put that also with Keter and Gavora. I mean, Keter, Hesed and Gavora. So uh, there's so many connections, so much to learn. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess part of me wonders if, you know, the seven sacred planets plus one are kind yeah. of like being represented in the lighting of the menorahs, which 
Um, if you looked at it that way, it could be sort of like a path working um, where you're visiting the different spheres yes. in mind as you make your way on a path up the tree yes. to get to Kether. Yes. Well, I like that. I like that. You know, as I was saying, you know, in the counting of the Omer, there's certain days. But this is really during Sukkot, right? So it must start during Sukkot and then go up to Passover. So there's days where we we literally are inviting in to the sukkah, the, the little dwelling place we've created, um, just certain of our ancestors. So again, it's not it's not um, these wonderful mystical ideas from you know Kabbalah, but it's um, the people of the Bible. So Abraham and then. Sarah. So spiritual ancestors, basically. Yeah, exactly. We're inviting them in. And that's, so that's, so I just haven't heard of what you're talking about, um, but I think you got something there, you know, I think that would be amazing, you know, to think about, you know, different aspects of, you know, I also think of the human body. I mean, I'm not original in this, but the human right. body, you know, Kater. <clears throat> I guess what left side would be feminine, right? So that would be the Hasad and the Gavora. And also when you were talking about the five-pointed star, I was thinking also just the human body. You know, I was thinking of that Leonardo. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, that's very intentional. That, I think that yeah, that exactly. goes back to the ideas about sacred geometry. Yes, um, which probably have some of the roots in, you know, Greco-Roman practices, but yeah. probably more the Greek. I know. Oh yeah. The pentacle, as we're often seeing it, um, has its origins in Greek uh, tradition, um, and they used it on coins a lot and it's not a straight up and down pentacle hmm. it's actually slightly off yeah. with the point kind of pointing up that way um right and yeah i think it does represent the physical to a degree yes um, yeah and interesting that you were talking about the body parts there's a practice in esoteric traditions um called the middle pillar where you're invoking the different points of the kabbalistic what they call the kabbalistic cross um where you have Ato, and then you go down to malkuth which is you know, the base of the tree yes. and then you invoke gavora and gadura um which mm -hmm. are hesed and gavora Okay. Uh, to form a cross of light in your body and make that alignment. Love that. Yeah. I'm always so interested to have conversations with you, Brendan. You have so much knowledge. You're like an encyclopedia. Of yeah, all that and $2.50 will buy me a cup of coffee. <laughs> I know. And I'll join you for that cup of coffee so we can have this conversation. Yeah, I've, I've cut down my coffee intake a bit, but oh, did you? Uh -huh. 
some this morning, so. Yeah, I have been drinking um, green tea mate, and mm -hmm. it's so good. And it's so I can go without coffee and drink that and no caffeine headache, nothing. <laughs> I'm okay. And I am getting so much energy from it. Oh, yeah. It's been really good for me. Also. Yeah, I should get back into doing mate and green tea, actually. Still caffeine, but I'm okay with caffeine. I'm just not, you know, sometimes I need something a little less intense than coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smaller doses work better for me these days. I think like yeah. <clears throat> I have to balance it because um, I think my nervous system is actually pretty sensitive. Um, uh -huh. So I've been using like a lot of CBD to kind of balance that out, um, which seems helping. to calm my nervous system overall. Do you find it's helping? <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, definitely helps with some of the physical symptoms um uh, the neuropathy that i have in terms yes. of pain and calms my nervous system yeah so i'm curious i wanted to ask this earlier are you dealing are any of these things that you're dealing with also considered autoimmune yes and i don't have a definitive um diagnosis but some of the symptoms that i've got appear to be autoimmune related. Um, I get these blisters, which it, you know, basically seems to be like my body is yeah. attacking itself as if oh, it thinks that there's an invader. Um, like your skin is like your largest organ of your body. It's, it's your what they, they say your skin is oh, the yeah. largest organ of your body. So that's yeah. so interesting. So, yeah, so that... I've got a couple of theories about what might be going yeah. on with that <clears throat> but i have yet to get it confirmed by a doctor okay i imagine that i mean i don't know i i know ms is autoimmune but i don't know if it's made certain illnesses flus or whatever illnesses um any harder to heal from because the you know the immune system is a little haywire but um hopefully not i mean a couple of years ago i had flu and I had it so bad, I was like lying on the floor. I couldn't even move. And um, they they had to, the paramedics had to come and they took me to the hospital. And I said to the doctor, or maybe it was to one of the nurses that, you know, I also have MS and this, I'm worried the MS is gonna kick in because of this. And she said, nope, this is just the flu. <laughs> you know, this is how it's, this was some years ago. You know, this is just the flu that you're not having an exacerbation also with the MS. Everything that's happening to you is attributable to the flu. Yeah, I mean, your body does try to kick in with its immune system right. in fighting the flu. So I can't really say right. that right. that would necessarily be you know, I think the medical world tends to look at things as compartmentalized. Yes. They don't necessarily look at right. the uh, continuum of what's going on with your body with regard to that. So yes. you get an illness, your immune system starts doing things. And if you've already got an immune related issue, yeah, I can't see why that wouldn't be affecting okay. other things in your health continuum. Uh, sure. That's interesting. That's true. 
that you know western medicine likes to compartmentalize you know they they deal with the symptoms but not the the reason for the symptoms the underlying i'm completely convinced that my skin eruptions are related to my gi health um, interesting wow so you are you are in, are you in the leaky gut can can Many what I've read about leaky gut and part of the reason that uh, the uh, allopathic doctors kind of sneer at, you know, people talking about leaky gut is that yeah. everybody actually has leaky gut. Um, the difference is, from what I've been able to understand, is how compromised is your gut lining and how compromised is the flora in your system. Can a gut lining like have tears in it or, you know, how, how? Yeah, I mean, your, your gut is permeable and okay. the degree of permeability relates to usually inflammation in the body. Um, if you have inflammation happening, your gut lining might be more permeable. So okay. you will get like a crossover of bacteria going into your bloodstream. Um, yeah. One theory about the kind of blisters that I get is yeah. that it might be related to candidiasis. Okay, so, so that's an all food allergy? What, what? Like, is that from wheat? Like, is, are, is it an allergy, do you think that's? No, um, candida is, part of your and, normal gut flora. Yeah, okay, okay. But when it gets out of balance, um, it can cause problems in other areas yeast, of your body. Yeast, it's yeast, yeah, candida. Is that hmm? yeast? Isn't it yeast? It's, it's Yeah, it's a yeast. similar uh, similar life form or the related. It might actually be yeast and certain foods um, feed it and you end up with an overgrowth and if you have gut permeability, which again, yeah. everybody does, <clears throat> it can cross over to other areas of your body. Some people can get it very severely. Um, okay. I think my ex-wife was struggling for years with <clears throat> a candida infection, which she attributed to um, having happened because of mercury in her fillings. Really? Oh, I've never heard of that correlation. Interesting. Yeah, because it, you know, the mercury weakens your immune system, allows the candida <clears throat> overgrowth to happen. Yes. Well, same thing with antibiotics. Yeah. Yes. So the challenge is really to try to restore your gut health. Yes. By restoring beneficial bacteria and allowing <clears throat> the lining of the gut to heal. Yes. Yes. Well, that's there's a whole lot of biological things going on with these human bodies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, only 40% of the human body is actually our own cells, the rest is all bacteria. Really? Uh, walking masses of mostly bacteria. 
60% of the cell material in our physical bodies is not us. It took me a little while to get, to become okay with the fact that we have little bugs in our eyebrows. That took yeah, me a little cool. while. I, I was not that. happy about that at first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you see pictures of those on the electron microscope, you're like, yeah. ah, that's it's living on my eyebrows. <laughs> it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, we are, we are biological human beings, which is wonderful. I don't know why this popped in my head, but I feel compelled to ask you, do you feel like your dream cycle is influenced by the the lunar phases like I do, actually more active yeah. and, um it's interesting. what is it it's like full moon ish right now what's this guy doing we're getting toward a fuller moon okay so um well i will let you know <laughs> um i i i have thought that but i don't have any you know evidence even to prove to myself oh i dreamed this because the moon was doing that but I, I, I have been paying attention a little bit, but um, I'm not sure. I'll see after this full moon. I, I yeah, imagine yeah. I'm going to have a more vivid dream. I mean, I used to really journal um, more completely in that I would not only, you know, note the phase of the moon, but if I had access to an ephemeris, I'd be looking at what else was going on astrologically. Yeah, I know. I also wonder that. Yeah. Like, I, you know, objectively want to know how much of, you know, that actually does influence our psychic life. Yes, you sure. Right. I mean, I know we know the moon has a pull on on the on the menstrual on the body you know women know this men know this too if they listen and um you know it's just like the moon has an effect on the tides in the ocean and it has an effect on our menstrual cycle so very likely there's also something psychic not not psychic psyche related you know connected with the moon yeah i mean i was really feeling it at the past dark moon um which oh. is yeah. Now, some people actually, you know, who follow a pagan calendar. Yes. There's arguments about when is Sawin proper. Um, yeah. And Sawin, you know, just to differentiate Sawin from Halloween, which is more yeah. of a calendar celebration. Yes. Um, some people attribute the actual day to be related to when the dark moon comes closest to the end of October. Um, yeah, I like that. And that's how the Jews do it. We, we're not concerned about a calendar date. We're concerned about the moons. You know, yeah, it makes total places. sense to me. And, yeah. you know, that's something I want to delve back into. You know, Robert Graves, um, who wrote the book, The White Goddess. Yes, yes talks a lot about the um, connection between early European um, lunar traditions and Judaism. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he's controversial because a lot of what 
he came forward with idea-wise comes from the not any you know archaeological or anthropological okay but more intuitive and more poetic mm -hmm. um and he believed that you know judaism was at one point at least more balanced in terms of masculine and feminine and that the you know idea of the shekinah which you know is the feminine aspect of god was more important at one point and got yeah. obscured by the more patriarchal traditions maybe due to the influences of you know other foreign influences coming into the you know world of the jews but somehow that except for within you know more mystical um aspects of the Judea, judaic tradition the shekinah has been largely obscured <laughs> uh, i i always like to liken the shekinah with the holy ghost because that's that's where is that only catholicism or is that other christian the father um, i think other i think the protestants talk about the holy spirit versus yeah. the holy ghost but yeah, I agree with that. Thing, you know. So, and that's the Shekinah. Is, is yeah, the, is and good. it's often represented as a dove descending. Beautiful. <coughs> yeah, yes. There's been a lot of imbalance with the masculine and feminine in our world, and hopefully we'll, we'll achieve more of a balance at some point. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at the archetypes there, you know, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which yeah. you can overlay that with um, the Egyptian cosmology, where you have Isis and Osiris and Horus, you know, Horus being, you know, the revelatory sort of active force, um, more like a messiah type figure who the redeems sun. the world the sun that's really interesting so I, I really think that a lot of this stuff is very old and even older you know than you know the form of judaism that's come down to us yes you know you think about the fact that you know um sites like stonehenge were built you know three thousand plus years ago right Right. Some of this stuff is older than Egypt, you know, like Scala Bray you know, up in Scotland. It's really old. What is that? Scala Bray is a uh, archaeological site in the Orkney Islands. Okay. And <clears throat> um, it's very old. Um, some of the archaeology of the place indicates that it may have been a temple complex of some kind um, but there's you know standing stones associated with it and it's way older than <coughs> it's older than stonehenge it's older than the pyramids wow, wow. neolithic era yeah um, you know and we know nothing about the practices that might have been done there uh, right. what we know 
you know, is that there were, you know, rooms that were laid out in a way where some of them had central fire pits, but the footpath through those spaces is that you can't really see what's going on in one room until you actually enter it. Oh, wow. So there's a relevatory process that's happening as yeah. you move through the spaces. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm so sorry. I love this conversation and I'd love to have another one not so long off, but my, my kid is back listening to loud shows and whatnot. So I'm going to have to go, but Brendan, it's great. We'll do this again. And I'll try to keep better track of my dreams. I really need to start journaling. Uh, Yeah. Yes. And I will too. And I, and I truly will uh, try to notice how my dream life is around the full moon. All right, cool. I'll do the same. Okay. Talk to you soon, Brendan. Yeah, and to our good. listeners, thank you for joining us. Holomod um, Metukin, sweet dreams. Holomod.